chapter 39. I won't do it, Star said. Then I guess this whole trust exercise has failed, Fang said mildly. The gang had fun together earlier. He'd forgotten how simultaneously repulsive and delicious Cheese Whiz could be. But within minutes, they were all at each other's throats again. Max used to threaten and bully people into working together, but that approach quit having the desired effect long before Fang had left. He needed to do something different, something better. So he googled team building, which, he discovered, meant a really rousing little game of Never Have I Ever. I don't even know how to play, Holden Squibb complained. Ratchet cackled. That's because you're like a baby, starfish. If you can even regenerate limbs and stuff. What are you, like 12? Holden glared at Ratchet. Cut it out, guys, Fang said. Look, we're six really different people, but we need to work together as a team or we'll all end up dead. The surprise on their faces made Fang think that maybe the word dead was a bit too strong, but he knew what he had said could possibly be true. All you have to do is say, never have I ever, and fill in the blank. Then anyone in the group who's done it has to raise their hand, including you, if you've actually done it. If you want to reveal something about yourself, and say something you've done. If you don't want to reveal anything personal, say something you think someone else in the group might have done. Cool? Feng sighed. He felt like a camp counselor or something. It was exhausting. But, to his surprise, everyone formed a circle, even if they did roll their eyes. Great, I'll start. Feng said. He sure hated being leader all the time. Why did Angel always want this job so much, he wondered. Never have I ever... played a team-building game as stupid as this before. Maya smiled but everyone else's eyes shot daggers at him as he raised his hand. Never have I ever... gotten mistaken for a ten-year-old when I was almost fifteen. Ratchet said, and no one budged. Star shoved Holden into the middle of the circle. I think that's you, Squirt. Never have I ever... owned a designer bag. Holden quipped in response, and Star glared, raising her hand. Fang made himself count backward from twenty by threes. Never have I ever... Had cheese whiz up my nose, in my hair, and between my toes at the same time, Maya said. Everyone laughed, and they all shot up their hands. Never have I ever played down my strength so no one would look at me funny, Kate said, holding up her hand. Never have I ever been seriously hungry all day, every day, because I can't get enough calories to sustain my energy, Star said, raising her hand along with Fang and Maya. Never have I ever... Accidentally chopped my finger off and watched it grow back, Holden said, and mimed hacking his finger off, resulting in a few chuckles and a cry of, Yeah, starfish! from Ratchet. Maya spoke up, her eyes shining at Fang from across the circle. Never have I ever felt the wind whip through my hair as I soared 20,000 feet up, with only my wings to carry me. They both raised their hands. Never have I ever been thrown out of my own house for being a freak, Ratchet said quietly and he raised his hand. Across the room, Star raised her hand too, and they stood like that for a few seconds, just looking at each other. Never have I ever been injected with hypodermic needles and locked in a cage, Fing said. Every single hand went up, and as they looked around the room, everyone seemed to really get each other for the first time. They had all been abused, and they all needed the same help. Never have I ever received a message telling me that I had to help save the world. 
Mai said, staring deeply into Fang's eyes. He looked back at her, and she nodded almost imperceptibly. His hand slowly went up. No one, not even Max, knows about that. He felt a faint shiver run down his spine. So, you want to do something about the Doomsday Group, or what? Holden asked. Feng nodded. I read they'll be holding a big rally in San Diego, starting tomorrow. Feng said, it'll be at Comic-Con, that huge convention. I don't know how the DG will fit in with that, but I think it's the first thing we should check out. If it means we can get to the butchers who experimented on us, who cut us up, I'm all for it, Kate said. Holden nodded, rubbing the scars on his arms. Let's take him down, Ratchet said, and Star actually smiled. So, San Diego? Fang asked. San Diego, the gang agreed. Chapter 40 After a day of zombified culty shrieking about wiping out the human race, and an hour of hysterical panic holding Iggy down while fighting for his mind as he writhed in a bathtub, I'd aged about five years, and I swear I got my first gray hair from that ordeal. However, we were now back on track. We were six normalish bird kids, one of whom who had recently endured a freezing cold deprogramming experience, and a small black dog thrilled that he'd escaped a bath. Together, we sat, a little freaked out, around the dining table, trying to plan our next course of action. Dr. Martinez, Jub, and Ella are still gone, Dylan said, and Gazzy countered with, Well, duh. I was glad to hear the Gasmin sounding almost back to normal after the whole not-talking-for-two-days thing, which I hadn't really had time to deal with. Do you want to saddle up, go back, and get Ella? Dylan asked me, ignoring Gazzy. That's my first instinct, I said slowly, thinking. But I'm really worried about what this doomsday group is up to. If it's something serious, we might have to try to stop it. Fast. This thing is spreading like the plague. It's just so weird that... Nudge began, then stopped after a harsh look from Angel. What? I said. Nudge pressed her lips together and looked away. Total coughed meaningfully. I sighed and rubbed my temples. <sighs> Just tell me. Obviously, it's about Fang. I was amazed I could even say his name without having to curl up in a little ball afterward. Well, it's just so weird that we're dealing with the Doomsday Group here, and Fang is going to California to do the same thing. Nudge said quickly. I'd seen mention of the Doomsday Group on the TV and the little stomach-turning video I'd seen of Fang in his Max stand-in, but didn't know it was more than that. Fang mentioned them in his blog? I demanded. Yeah, Nudge admitted. I sat down at the laptop and called up Fang's blog myself, for the first time since he'd left. It was painful, just seeing the words he'd written. I was aware of Dylan, who'd gone across the room and was sitting moodily on the sofa, flicking through TV channels. So, Comic-Con, I read, as Total stretched up to my lap. I've always wanted to go. Looks like I'll get my chance. The Doomsday Group is holding a huge rally there. Why, I don't know. But the Fang Gang is on its way. Feel free to drop by. I'll be the one with real, not strap-on, wings. I looked up. No one was going to tell me about this because... Nudge looked uncomfortable. You made us all promise never to mention his name. She whispered. Plus, you were busy dealing with Iggy, who was, you know, brain-sucked, she said. I sat back. So, the DG is going to have a big rally at Comic-Con. We are so there, Total said. I'm definitely getting Trisha Helfer's autograph. We all turned to look at him, 
What? He said. She's hot. For a human. If the DG's having a huge rally, we should go. Dylan agreed. Which was big of him, especially since he knew Fang would be there too. Inside, my heart raced at the possibility of seeing Fang again. Did he know how much he was hurting me by advertising the new Fang gang? Was he really that cruel to post videos of himself with his Max Stannon? Was he deliberately trying to hurt me? That didn't sound like Fang, but I didn't know what to think. But what about Ella and my mom and Jeb? I asked. I've been thinking about that, said Gazzy. The serious tone of his voice made me look at him sharply. What's up, Gaz? Nudge asked. Well, before the crash, I was trying to hold Jeb, and then he let go. Gazzy's face showed how painful the memory was. Right as I knew I couldn't hold him much longer, he yelled one last thing. The last thing he wanted me to know before he died. As much as I usually hated Jeb, I couldn't help admitting that I really did want to know what his almost last words were. And that was... He said, the human race will have to die to save the planet, just like I have to die to save you. Gazzy looked up, his blue eyes troubled. I think maybe Jeb is in on it. Your mom, too. Chapter 41 What? Huh? I said, already bristling. My mom? And on a heinous conspiracy? I know, I know. Gazzy said quickly. You know how great I think Dr. M is. I don't want her to be in on this. Jeb, okay, I said, my temper flaring. He's a lying, two-faced weasel. But my mom's good. She's always been good to us. And now you're just selling her out? But your mom trusts Jeb, said Gazzy. Even after you thought he'd betrayed you and us and cut off all ties with him, your mom stayed in touch with him. That had really ticked me off, but I figured she had her reasons. Like, maybe she thought weasels were really cute, or could be trained to do circus tricks. Maybe something else, Dylan said, sounding reluctant. Dr. Martinez is incredible. She's helped us all and even welcomed me into her home. But she also let Jeb bring Dr. Hans here without warning anyone, even after what you told her about him. Even after he almost killed Fang. She let him come here. Didn't that bother you at all? I spun around to look at him. Oh, now everyone wants to jump on the traitor train to Jerksville? You've been here for what, two seconds? This is my mom we're talking about. He put a hand on my shoulder and I stiffened. I opened my mouth to continue defending my mom, who is, as I pointed out, the only mom I'm ever likely to have. But despite my little outburst, a tiny seed of doubt had taken root in me. Dylan's instincts were usually pretty spot on, and he always had my back, except for the whole leaving Ella behind in a sea of cultist freaks thing. I looked up and expected to find hurt or anger on his face, but he just looked sorry, and like he really cared about me. And then that rarest of things happened. I felt bad. Then I looked at the concerned faces of my flock. So many times in the past, I'd ignored what they'd said and charged ahead, my mind made up about how it was going to be. But they weren't saying any of this stuff just to mess with me, or to make me feel bad. I shut my mouth abruptly and sat down. Wasn't it your mom who convinced us all to go see the Gen 77 kids that morning? Angel asked gently. You didn't want to go, and we were all on your side. But your mom said she'd like to go, and that's why all of us got in Jeb's plane. Which is why we almost died. I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach really hard. Everything in me wanted to tell them that they were wrong, 
They were crazy. But the truth was that, as much as I loved my mom, and as much as I trusted her, I'd still known her for just a few years, and she was a grown-up. We didn't have such a great track record with adults in general, or scientists in particular. Even though it really, really hurt, I trusted the flock with my heart, with my gut. I had to think this one through and not go charging off. Maybe I really am getting older and perhaps a tiny bit wiser. But my mom and Jeb got on the plane too, I pointed out half-heartedly. Dylan said, Maybe they figured that with all of us there, you, me, and the rest of the flock, there was no way we'd let them die. If the accident was planned and Hans somehow escaped out the front of the plane before it hit the ground, maybe they knew that we would come through for them somehow. I tried taking some deep, slow breaths. I didn't, couldn't, believe that my mom would have really put us on a plane she thought would crash. But they were right. Something was sketchy. My stomach was in knots. My chest hurt. Maybe Jeb kidnapped my mom? I suggested, hopefully. She does love you, Max, Angel said, crossing over to me. She absolutely does. I can feel it. But everyone involved with the Doomsday Group seems to put the situation above the people, you know? Like, the end of the world is bigger than who loves who, or who wants to be with whomever. Maybe she... Maybe they're all still convinced they're acting for the greater good. Ugh, I said, covering my eyes with my hands, the blank faces of the doomsday zombies flashing before me. There's nothing more dangerous than someone trying to act for the greater good. I took a deep breath and exhaled slowly. I looked at the floor, at my feet at anywhere but the caring faces of my flock. I wanted to crawl in a little hole and not have to deal with any of this. Then, with my next breath, I got angry again. This was my fault. This is what I got for trusting people, for letting them in. My mom was my weak spot, and I had been stupid, naive. What had I been thinking? I stood up, my face determined. Maybe you guys are right. I hope we're all wrong. But until we know that, until I can really believe that, we need to close ranks right now, to protect ourselves. What do you mean, Max? Nudge asked. I mean, we should make a pact today. A pact that, from now on, no matter what, we will never again trust a grown-up. Nudge's eyes got big, and even Dylan looked surprised. I held up my fist. One by one, they each made fist, and stacked them on top of mine. Then Toto pushed his paw under my hand. I tapped Iggy's hand twice. He tapped Gazzy's. And so on. Until we had all agreed. And that was that. This had been quite the year for heartbreak and disillusionment. Chapter 42 Okay, no grown-ups. Gazzy said. What now? Ella, I said. She's not a grown-up. If she's in on everything, we need to pump her for information. If she's innocent... We need to save her. Of course she's innocent, Iggy said, and I remembered how he'd been cuddling up to her like a puppy dog these last couple weeks. I looked at him apologetically. Yeah, but I mean, just in case, I said, looking around. We should ransack the place for clues. Spread out. We all scattered, as if pawing through someone else's stuff was the most fun we'd had in weeks. But an hour later, we gathered in the kitchen, still no closer to an answer. I found this, though, Gazzy said excitedly, holding up a small green box. Gas-X. Like, X for explosion. This is great. I'm thinking I rigged this with a detonator, and... Did you find that in the medicine cabinet? 
Dylan asked. Yeah. It's for upset stomachs, Dylan said, trying to hide a smile. He pointed to the words on the box. It's to reduce gas in your digestive system, not to create more gas to make explosions. Gezi's face fell, and Aggie said, Really? Gezi, take it. Take the whole box. I second that emotion, said Total. Okay, I said sharply. Moving on, did anyone else find anything? Aggie looked sheepish. I found this, he said, holding up a cell phone. It's Ella's. I feel bad going through her stuff, but if it'll help us find her. It took Nudge about a minute and a half to hack into the phone and bypass the security codes. She's slipping, Gezi said, checking his watch. I'm not, Nudge said crossly. It's overlaid with extra protection. It's weird, but I think I'm in. Hang on. She got a small cord and connected the phone to our laptop. Okay, now we'll all be able to see everything in the phone, she said, pointing to the computer screen. A bunch of patchwork gibbers shot across the monitor, and I was reminded of that computer guy, the one we'd just seen in the desert. His computer had done stuff like this when we'd first met him in the subway tunnels. Slow it down, I said, as Nudge's fingers flew across the keyboard. The images suddenly halted, and Nudge started scrolling through them. Well, look at that, said Dylan. We saw photographs of the Gen 77 facility Dylan and I had gone to the day before. There were floor plans, all labeled, and photos of the interior and exterior of the building. What? said Iggy. What is it? It's that weird facility Max and I checked out, Dylan said, pointing. And there are those spider-eyed kids. We also saw a couple of pictures of what looked like a cafeteria. I suppose even Gen 77 kids had to eat. I followed Dylan's finger to the images of our pals, the many-eyed fighters. There were also text messages about meetings and a ton of background banners repeating the phrases, the earth or us, and kill the humans. There was even a motivational video of some chick with a hypnotic voice and really beautiful eyes. Let's see what other pearls of propaganda the cult sent to Ella, I said. Nudge expertly turned the innards of Ella's phone inside out, which revealed a bunch of scientific gibberish about unraveling DNA strands and inserting alternate DNA and RNA into them. It sounded eerily familiar. Like, we were injected with bird DNA and raised in cages, familiar. Angel raised an eyebrow at me, reading my thoughts, and I remembered her panicked message at Ella's school about humanicide. I sat back and let out a long breath. Well, I guess we've got a date with Doom, I said melodramatically. What do you mean? Dylan asked. Looks like Ella's definitely at the facility. If she's all cute and cuddly with the Doomsday group, we have to go save her. Even if she tries to eat our brains, I said. We leave in five minutes. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximoid bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olivet Marky, and we got a couple messages this week. Uh, the first one was from the Spotify Q&A thing, and Axolotl said, Let's go ADHD gang. I also recommend the song called Born Ready by Dove Cameron. It immediately reminded me of Maxima Ride. Please put that song as the next intro song for the next book. Thanks, Axolotl. I listened to that song, and yeah, that definitely feels like it has a Maxima Ride vibes. So I'll make a note to use that as the next intro music. Thank you very much. It's, <laughs> it's kind of hard trying to... Uh, find songs that I personally think fit. 
each book, but uh, this helps a lot. Thank you very much. Alright, the next one I got was actually a rating from Apple Podcast. Uh, it's from Madeline M, who said, So, so grateful someone else is reading this. It's my go-to sleep podcast, but the outros make me cringe and I always skip. I guess it's better than them right at the beginning, XOXO. Uh, thanks, Madeline. Um, I'm I'm kind of a cringe guy, so I don't I don't mind it. And it's not like I'm like getting anything out of this besides just doing a big project, so I don't really care if people skip the outros. I kind of figured people skip them most of the time anyway, so it doesn't bug me. The fast forward 30 second button is there for a reason. But uh they're not going to hear this, but if someone else is interested in this, when I finish a book, I edit all these uh, like 20 minute segments together and then I post them to my YouTube channel that I use for this podcast, which is Avian Dalek Audio. And uh, yeah, I think I've, I've got all the books except for the first one up there because I really, really didn't like how I did that one and I wanted to re-record it before I actually posted it. But yeah, if you'd rather listen to this in one big, long, eight-hour book, you can do that there. I just don't post them to this feed because the podcast distributor that I use won't let me post an eight-hour podcast for some ridiculous reason. But yeah, fun time to plug that. But uh, thanks, Madeline. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is the YouTube channel Royalty Soaps. So I found this YouTube channel a couple years ago. I was on a big uh, ASMR kick and uh, I found this YouTube channel that is this lady who runs like a soap company and she posts videos of her making her soaps and stuff. She's she's kind of, as the kids say, cringe or whatever, but uh, like she's just very genuinely excited about the stuff that she makes and she makes a lot of really interesting stuff. She's a bit too high energy for my taste, but you know, it's it's nice background noise. I like to see how the soaps turn out. Uh, she does her entire process. She has like the recipes for all of her soaps and stuff if like you want to make them yourself. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So that is the YouTube channel Royalty Soaps and I will leave a link in the show notes if you want to go check that out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on.